Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're only in London for a few days, which means your time is extra precious. So I'm really, really grateful for you being here. The reason why I'm so excited to talk to you today is you've obviously achieved a lot in your career, which I'm really excited to unpack. But also from some previous conversations that we've had, you've been very honest, which I appreciate around some of the hurdles, barriers and struggles um, health-wise and mental health-wise that you've had as a result of that. And I just think that's a really important conversation that we need to, to have. The current landscape that I'm seeing with so many girls that I'm friends with is it appears all good on the outside, but due to the friendship that I have with them, these women are always telling me that they're having some sort of mental and or physical health um, symptoms, issues, and this is largely coming down to the amount of stress and pressure and overwhelm that they're feeling in, in their jobs. So I couldn't think of anyone better to have this conversation with today to share your story. And I hope that it's educational and insightful for everyone. So yeah, thank you so much again for being here. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It makes me sound really important. You're only here for a few days. <laughs> please come do a podcast. Um, I love talking. You'll realise that throughout the rest of this conversation, I hope. You're in the perfect place. Perfect place. So, Cathy uh, White, I'm the founder and CEO of a business called CEW Communications. We're a PR agency that specialises in working with early stage tech startups and VCs. So, a really, really fast-paced industry that's just continuously evolving. I've been a part of it for... 13 years now at this point um kind of uh, ages me now and uh i love it it's it's an amazing industry to be a part of but like i said it's completely full on so it can be overwhelming and add to that that you're running your own thing even more overwhelming uh in addition to running my own agency i'm an angel investor um i'm a big advocate as you already mentioned for talking honestly about mental health i've had so many issues over the years dating back to when I was a teenager and yeah I'm just I think the big thing for me in the conversation that we have today is uh, and I say this as a woman who looks up to other women and looks at other women that are coming up behind her is sometimes you can look at an individual and think that they've got their shit together that they're perfect that they're this incredible powerhouse and it's absolutely never the case so I'm looking forward to a very honest conversation. Yeah, thank you. I feel like there's no one better to, to have it with. And, and you are important. So yeah, thank, thank you <laughs> thank again you. For, for, for coming in. If we, let's go back to the beginning then, if that's okay. You kind of mentioned going back to those teenage years. Mm. Who was Kathy during those teenage years? What were your hobbies? What were you studying? What were your interests? And what kind of career were you looking to pursue at that point? Oh, so back when I was a teenager, I was obsessed, obsessed with film and television. Uh, I just loved watching movies, reading scripts behind those movies as well. And it was just an absolute obsession of mine. So that kind of put me on an original path to become a film director. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i only about five foot three. When you met me, you were like, oh, hello, <laughs> look down. I'm quite tall. You are quite tall, uh, but I'm five foot three. And I, uh, I always used to pitch myself as wanting to be the, uh, the short female version of Quentin Tarantino, who's very tall. <laughs> Um, I just love the idea of coming up with stories and, and telling stories, basically. And when I was a teenager, in addition to having this kind of obsession with film, I was also a bit of a performer. I was a singer. Uh, I loved doing big show tunes. Um, and I had this kind of confidence to be on stage and to get up and just sing. But I, I was actually, at my core, really insecure. 
Uh, I've always been a bit more on the chubby side, and as a teenager, I was definitely on the chubby side. Um, I, you know, if we put myself back into like school cliques and stuff, I definitely would have been more in the like nerdy clique than anything else. Wasn't big into sports. Um, was a bit unconfident in a lot in a lot of ways. I was always kind of pitched as mature for my years, and uh, yeah, I wanted to get into film. Uh, went to university to study that, and then that was back in 2010 during the last financial crisis. Left. I was planning to leave, go into film, go into television, go into radio, anything that just involved basically doing what we're doing right now, and fell into PR. So PR wasn't the plan. It was sort of the, this would be the sensible option because this way I'd earn some money and actually have some prospects that would happen sooner than necessarily pursuing creative arts of some form. How did you fall into that? Was there a, a specific kind of job that, that you took on or did you meet someone that was in that industry or how did that, that occur? So I was very fortunate, very privileged, but my sister-in-law at the time was working for Index Ventures, which is one of Europe's, well, one of the world's best VC firms. It's not necessarily at the same level of other Silicon Valley ones, but for Europe, it's substantial. They were working with a PR agency in London, a very small team based here, and they needed an intern. And the magical words, it was a paid internship. <laughs> so she recommended I talk to them. So it was direct connection in. And I applied, uh, did an interview process and got the job. And I had no idea what the hell PR was. I had no really? idea really what, you know, what was going on in tech. I had no clue. So it was all brand new. And you just had the confidence to, to go for it anyway? Yeah. Or did that take some persuading to apply? No, it didn't take that much persuading. You know, there's always the, the I always had the parental voice in my ear going, you know, film's going to be really difficult to get into when... You know, to get into film, you've got to be a runner, you've got to do internships, you're not going to get paid for a lot of that stuff, which means you're either going to need to have a second or a third job to to sustain it or have parents with deep pockets that are willing to fund you. And I just thought, right, let's, let's give this PR thing a go and then maybe at some point in the future I'll maybe revisit film. How much did those words from your parents influence your decision to change industry versus your own like interest in looking at other options? Hugely. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that in hindsight? I love my parents and they're very proud of me. Um, but I'm already in my brain thinking about what career 2.0 looks like. Yes, because I think you, you get put on a path. It, you know, weirdly enough, this week, one of the other things I've done whilst I've been back in London, I went to speak at a school down in Southeast. A good friend of mine from university is um, head of sick form there. And she invited me to come along to a careers evening. So I had to sit in a classroom for the first time in a really long time, which was very strange. And I had to do a presentation on my career to uh, five different groups that would just kind of come through. So it was like a, you know, 17 year old and their parent coming round and listening to me talk about what the hell PR, comms, social, tech, owning your own business looks like and answering questions. And one of the messages that I was sharing with them, and I think it's a message that's really important for everyone to hear, is that you don't have to be stuck on the path that you're on. Because I think especially at a 17, when you're 17 or even younger, Schools want you to think about the career that you're going to have, the the subjects you're going to study in order to have that career. And they make it seem like that's the very end. You know, you go to school, you get these qualifications, you start your career path. 
um, on that one trajectory that you might have. And it's bullshit because what you like at 17, you might not like when you're 25. You might hate it by the time you're 34. You've got to be able to realize that you can change your mind you can go and do something different you can upskill you can reskill you can do all of these different things and I guess that you know that there is an element of having the financial freedom to do that not always the financial freedom but also the guts because it's scary making a big change uh, but there was a big lesson that I was passing on to these kids and I think it was actually a lesson that I was sharing with them that I was also sharing back with myself and I was talking them through what I'd like to achieve again in my my next wave of career yeah really important message if, if you don't mind me asking happy and if you're happy to share how old are you now i'm 35 35 i just t- just turned 35 january birthday so kind of going full circle then from when you were at school and you said that there were potentially some well there were some insecurities and you weren't entirely sure if the career that you wanted to um to yeah, actually aim for is going to be viable. How do you feel now, full circle, going back to back to schools and doing this talk? How does that make you feel? Oh, it's really weird because in my head I still think I'm 16. So same, <laughs> yeah, right. Like I, uh, I, I, it's that sudden realization. This is just I don't know if other women that maybe listen to this will feel the same, but I'm 35. I don't have children yet, and I'm on the fence about whether I will or not. But I've got friends that have started to, or I've had friends um, that maybe had them a few years ago. And I still feel like if I was to be pregnant, I'm a pregnant teenager. (laughs) That can't be real. It's really strange. So yeah, there's this benefit of age and a bit more understanding of what is going on. Um, But go and go on a slight tangent for a second right but I'm 35 I mean I could be hit by a bus tomorrow we don't know but based on statistics and what's happening in the world at the moment I'm not going to be retiring in my 60s I might be retiring in my 70s I might be living into my 90s possibly even over 100 if I'm healthy enough and able to so I'm a third of the way through my life so I'm allowed to go and have another career. I'm allowed to go have another few different types of careers if I want to. You know, we're not retiring at 55 or 60. I love that. Yeah. Before we get onto a little bit more around the, the guts that it takes to pivot a little bit um, further on in your career, yeah. what would you say to anyone who is in a similar position to you where their parents are maybe pushing them not to pursue the career that they would like to? Look, your parents are always going to want you to play it safe because your parents love you and they want to make sure that you're going to be okay. But, you know, your parents, the way that they grew up and the way that they had careers is very different to the reality of the 21st century and what happens now. And everything is so much more fast-paced. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's very strange... I find it very strange, at least today, if I come across someone who has stayed in the same firm since they left university and they're my age. Um, I think you progress more and you learn more when you take a gamble, when you do something different. Because if you don't push yourself, why would you, you know, why would you... um, 
progress or, or achieve, you know achieve the things that you want to achieve it do you want to play it safe or do you want to have a little bit of fun and see where you can get to yeah i think that's a really important question to ask yourself yeah and it's hard i struggle with it a lot still there's certain things that i want to do that are maybe not quite in the position that i'm ready to do them yet but i definitely get closer and there's a few things I have done over the years that, you know, retrospectively, I look back and I was like, oh, Christ, that was actually quite brave. <laughs> what are some of those things, if you wouldn't mind sharing? Yeah, sure. I mean, well, first of all, it's starting my own company. Yeah. Right. Um, so I started the company when I was 27, which was younger than I initially anticipated. And uh, when I started the company, I, you know, I'd love to have said that I, you know, I thought about it for months. I did a whole plan. I got everything aligned, ready to do it. And that's just not the case. I was in a situation where I thought my employer at the time was going to fire me. They'd done some really shifty stuff regarding uh my probation period and a few other things and I was also just genuinely hating the job I was miserable and my plan had been to be there for a while and then launch my company and because I thought they were planning to fire me I kind of had a bit of a fuck it mentality and I went right how quickly can I get my company set up so if they are firing me I'm okay but also I'm now in an empowered position where I think they're being dodgy I don't want to work for them anymore I can quit and that's what I did. So I set the company up over two weeks. So, you know, registered on company's house. I found my first couple of clients. So there were people that already knew me who were willing to, you know, put their name against mine and I could just get the agency going. Built a very, very basic website, um, which was awful, but it existed. And then, yeah, the, the last day of this weird situation that happened where I had an extended probation period which was totally dodgy and I, I wish I had done some more legal stuff regarding that in the past um, I had a meeting where I thought the boss was going to fire me and I looked at him and I went I quit I love that yeah and then he looked at me and went can you remind me what your probation period is and I said well because you extended it it's a week so it was a, a kind of a gleeful moment for me because you could see in his eyes, he was like, ah, crap. In hindsight, do you think that meeting was to get rid of you or no. it wasn't? No, it wasn't. It was just too dodgy to trust, right? And it was, it was definitely my gut was telling me, get out. So would you say it's fair then to say that you kind of started your own company a little bit more from a place of fear and, and insecurity and necessity as opposed to like drive and ambition? I think it was both, right? I think that slight fear and necessity was the nice little I don't know, fire, right? It just sparked actually doing what I did want to do and doing it at speed. So everything that I did, because it wasn't this perfect plan that had been lined out, I just had to get going. So it was scrappy. It wasn't the best thing that I would have wanted to have started with, but it got me going. And that actually takes me out of a comfort zone because I'm a perfectionist and that can slow me down in terms of taking these gambles. But actually, sometimes when things aren't, are imperfect, you get the best results, right? So that was seven years ago. 
now I have a 16-person team. We're spread across Europe. We've grown a lot more in the last couple of years. We had a dip like a lot of businesses around the pandemic. And, you know, we work with startups. So when they're worried about their cash flow, they tend to cut PR pretty quickly, especially when everyone's being locked up at home. But that was a gamble. Um, the other one that I did, which has paid off significantly, was I moved to Spain. Um, and again, that actually was triggered by Brexit. So my husband and I, we decided whilst we were still European before Brexit officially went through, we want to try living somewhere else. And we've been to Barcelona for one long weekend, had one of these fantasy conversations with a glass of wine, sat in a beautiful plaza looking at the sunshine. And we had a fantasy chat we'd done so many times of just imagine if we lived here. And it got really serious. And we went back to London and that was in May 2019. We moved in September. We you don't just, mess around, do you? We just packed up and moved. So that was, you know, ballsy. Yeah. And we had a we had a small window to make it happen as well. Um, now it would be pretty much impossible. But Brexit was again that little spark that just went, do this thing, do it now. I love that. I think we'll, we'll circle back to the working remote if that's okay, yeah, because sure. that's, uh, that's definitely really interesting and something I'd love to hear more about. And obviously more people are looking at relocating and, and working remotely. To just go back for a second to when you actually started your own company, mm. what I would love to know is if you've got any thoughts on how you managed to do that, because you've mentioned already that potentially you have some insecurities that you had growing up and, and still have as we've talked on and been some struggles with mental well-being over the years as well. So how would you say that you found the courage as someone that has those issues, as a lot of people do? How did you find the courage to just go, I'm going to start my own company despite being a perfectionist and despite maybe not having a crazy amount of experience yet and you just got stuck in and you, you made it happen? Like if someone's in a similar position to you there, what advice would you give them? Honestly, it's such bad advice or it's good advice, I'm not sure, but fake it till you make it. Um, I am very good at being confident externally. So even though internally I'll you know, have the imposter syndrome voice popping up and worrying about things, put me on a call with a potential new client, put me on a call with a journalist, get me in a room where I'm gonna network for a few hours, I'm confident and I can do it. And I've always believed, particularly in business, relationships are built through just one, being a nice human being, and two, talking about things beyond what you do for a living. Uh, so I, I, for instance, I've got new team members right now and we've been talking about networking and I get the question of well, how should I talk about CEW communications? How should I talk about myself? I'm like, okay, you're a person, yes. They are a person, yes. Talk like people. Talk like, it's, it's not, oh my God, hello, this is me and I do this thing and blah, 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 because no one ever responds well to a sales pitch and the sales pitch isn't interesting. Um, so for me, it's it's always been about asking questions, finding common ground, making jokes. You may have noticed making jokes, um, a bit of, uh, you know, playing down on myself as part of that, the British sense of humor. And yeah, it, it is fake it till you make it. I was fortunate when I started the company that my network was very solid and my network was very solid because of all of that that I'd done before. And one of the other pieces of advice is to pay it forward. 
people remember people that are kind and helpful and informative and connect you to other people that are going to be useful and I can testify to that being you you're not just saying that for the sake of saying it on a podcast I think one thing I really try and do is get a feel for someone and who they are from like LinkedIn from their content from then jumping on a call with them if possible because obviously it would be nothing worse to use a podcast a lot record a podcast only to find out that someone actually maybe wasn't a great person they were just using it as an opportunity and actually I therefore didn't really want to share their perspective or their advice because then you have the issue of like what do you do with that episode right it's fortunately a situation we've not ended up in but it's something I definitely want to avoid so obviously I'm looking at your content reading what you're putting out there the, the nice person, the paying it forward, like comes through so much. And then you jump on a call. So helpful. Obviously, it was so you know, so nice to us on the call. So yeah, that does genuinely really show through. That's I know that you're not just saying that to, to answer it on the podcast because you think it's a good answer. Well, I, I think this is a, a big thing, right? People, people genuinely can tell when you're not being authentic. 100%. Right? And I hate it. I've had so many conversations with people that are inauthentic or too opportunistic, and it's uncomfortable. Um, and you remember them for the wrong reason. No one wants to be remembered for the wrong reason. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Would you say, I've got a couple of questions from that, but the the kind of like extroverted, I'm confident, I'm going to fake it till I make it. Was that something that you cultivated on purpose as a result of some of that internal feeling around imposter syndrome and insecurity or was it more of a just kind of happened over the years without really realizing it or was that something you purposefully tried to create I I think it must have started when I was super young like super super young um so I've always been insecure I've always hated how I look I've always judged myself too heavily against um the women that I'm closest to in particular and against the expectations that have been set by those around me, right? So as a child, that's your parents, that's uh, close relatives, that's your siblings, and then it's your teachers. It's the people that you're seeing in and out every single day. And I think, awfully speaking, really honestly, I was so worried that um, no, this is a child, right? No one would ever think I was beautiful. No one would ever want me. No one would ever love me. Uh, and so I think as a child, even, I found my voice. And I, I will actually, I'm, I think this is the first time I've said it out loud. We've now entered a therapy session. So I think I found my voice. So when I was a kid, uh, whenever, um, if you go back to like junior school and you did the Christmas school plays and stuff, I'd always be really sad that I was never cast as Mary or whoever the lead female was on stage. Without fail, every year I was the narrator. And I didn't realize until I was older that the narrator was the main part because you have the most speaking. You are taking people through this whole story, this whole narrative. And so I found a voice. And then I was very talented at singing. So even though I, again, had issues with how I looked, you could put me on stage and I can belt out a song from Les Miserables, no problem. So this performer came through and Everything that I do does come from an authentic place, but I do find that I have to kind of put on my put on my face a little bit. And I'll have these moments where I'm really intense and I can do all of the networking, I can do all of the helping people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I need to be alone and no one needs to talk to me for three days. <laughs> and I just need to do rest and relaxation and, and things for myself. Um, so it, it's definitely born from insecurity, but I don't think... 
my little young spongy brain calculated that this is something that I needed to do. I appreciate you sharing that with me. So thank you for that. Oh, Sounds like you've channeled it into a bit of a, a superpower now with, with what you do. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, my parents, my parents have always been very good at talking to anyone. My dad was a salesman. Um, my mum was his secret weapon. Right, this is back in the like 80s and 90s where big computer sales, it was all schmoozy affair. Yeah. You know, you bring the wife along and she's very glamorous and lovely. And together they were an incredible pair. And, you know, I've, I've witnessed that my whole childhood. And so both me and my younger sister have definitely taken a bunch of skills from seeing that. Um, but then you bring your own flavor to it. So you want to get deep, I can get deep. If you want to talk about mental health, we can talk about mental health. If you want to talk about that random TV show that was on a few weeks ago, we can talk about that. Like, I literally don't mind what we talk about. Um, it's less closed than it maybe was for older generations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. So if I'm kind of painting this little bit of a, a picture in my head then, and I'm making a little bit of an assumption here, so let me know if, if I'm on, on the right lines or not. Yeah. But knowing what I know from our previous conversation around some of the uh, mental and physical health symptoms that you've experienced as a result of the stress and the burnout, do you think that the need to kind of have to like create and, and cultivate this external energy and networking and I can talk to people, do you find that that is like more draining and takes up obviously more energy versus kind of just being like that more default or authentic self and subsequently has that contributed do you think to the burnout and the mental and physical health issues that have arisen versus if you were potentially in a different career mm -hmm. where you didn't need to ever have that version of you maybe you were just sitting behind a, a screen all day and it didn't involve having to go out and network and and sell um yeah how do you see those things being connected if at all so one thing i suck at is balance I always have i'm still working on it it's work in progress so i i need to see other people because not only do i need to let my energy out i also need to let other people's energy in um if i'm on my own for too long or working remotely on my own for too long that's not good for me i need it but it's not good for me if i have it for too long and it, so it, it's different extremes um now i typically come to London every few weeks. I'm here for a few days. If you saw my calendar, you would be like, <laughs> like everything is in my calendar when I'm in London. It's intense for three days, sometimes less, sometimes a little bit more. And then I go and my calendar goes, <sighs> and I just get to exhale a little bit. Um, and then I get to catch up on all of the work I couldn't do because I was in meetings with people. I need both. So I, I guess I'm a extroverted introvert, if you wanted to put piece the two together. Yeah. What I take from that is that you've really learnt yourself and you've basically built your business and your life around knowing what you need and who you are. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'm still working on it because sometimes I overcompensate in one area and then I and then I haven't I haven't compensated enough to balance it back out so a big one for me i'm i'm curvy i'm a bit overweight whatever i exercise a lot um it's a frustrating one because you know i see lovely videos of all of these really fit women doing all of these amazing things and i'm like i can do that i just don't have the body that <laughs> they have that pairs up with the activity that's going on 
the main reason I exercise, as much as I'd love to be a bit more toned, is for my brain. I need the output. Uh, that was a big lesson, particularly over the last 10 years. And so in my calendar, if I haven't put in enough slots where I'm exercising, my calendar's out of whack. Um, it's same for uh, trying to cultivate other habits that I find are useful for me. So um, my brain normally goes to the negative rather than the positive. So I have to retrain my brain to think about the positive. So I start my day most days with a morning gratitude journal just to write down, you know, these are three wonderful things. These are the things that will make my day great. And then and do something similar at the end of the day to kind of tie it off. Um, I've tried lots of different things over the years. And so there's now a few things that I know work really well for me. And yeah, I, again, I operate typically at extremes and I'm still trying to figure out balance, but I have my own red flags now. Yeah, I, yeah, sorry, I'm nodding just because I, I absolutely love that. And thank you for sharing again. There's obviously the vulnerability of still not amazing at it, but, you know, reflecting and feeling proud that you are further than, you know, further ahead and better at it than you used to be, which is just really, really nice to hear. Yeah. Something you said a minute ago that I loved, I'm, I might be about to get the wording wrong, but you said, I need to let my energy out and also other people's energy in. You need both. Yeah. I've never heard that, that worded like that before. And I can relate a lot to that. I think that was really, that was, that was amazing. Um, I'd love to know a little bit more around how you firstly came up with the like the wording on that and how you maybe like realized that like at what point did you go okay I'm someone that needs to let other people's energy in I need to be around people I also need to let let mine out and maybe things don't go quite as well for me if I'm if I'm not doing both of those but I also need to have this balance of spending time alone is there kind of a specific situation that you ended up in I know obviously yeah, we've touched on kind of the, the mental health stuff mm -hmm. like was there something there where you came to that conclusion or is that just something that you've um is that something sorry is that something that you've just become aware of over time upon reflection a lot of reflection a lot of therapy okay. a lot of therapy so I've been in psychodynamic therapy now for five years five years ish coming up to five years with a little break um so through that, and I'm, it's still work in progress because it's it's hard. You're trying to understand ultimately your your inner child, right? Everything that shaped you to where you are now, why you are triggered to react to certain situations, etc. Um, I need energy from other people, um, mainly because if I. One of the reasons would be if I don't talk to others or others don't talk to me, everything spins around my head. I, you know, People think differently. The way that I think, it's like there's 20 voices in my brain going, so there's this thing and there's this other thing. And then we're worried about that other thing that's five years in the future that you didn't know that you needed to worry about right now, but you are worrying about it right now. Remember when you did that stupid thing 10 years ago? Well, no, let's think about that right now as well. My head is chaos. So... Being around other people, I'm actually able to clarify my own thoughts better. And as a solo founder, the other lesson is, right, I don't have a co-founder to bounce things off of. And I also actually can't talk to my employees about half of the stuff that's going on in my brain. So I need to be able to have peers where if I can talk about my problems, you know, it's a problem shared is a problem halved. It helps. Um, so yeah, I, I need time with others. And then I need to just disappear and curl up on the sofa and, you know, watch a film and chill the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. I'm very grateful to have a co-founder and it's, it's, it's so useful. So the fact that you've managed to build this company without one is even more impressive. 
It's tiring. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Well, I can't imagine because, yeah, I don't. I've, I've got one. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for again for, for sharing that. I really appreciate you being honest about all of that. I know it's hard to sometimes open up and, yeah, especially with someone you don't know too well. So thank you for sharing that. Well, I, I disagree with that, actually, for me. Sometimes it's easier. Oh, it's so much easier with a stranger. Um, one of the best things I did, this again was a gamble I did in recent years, not gamble. It was more of a, it was something I'd wanted to do for a long time and I was held back from doing it actually by the voices of other people, not by my own voice. So uh, lovely, lovely, lovely thing that I'd highly recommend so many other people go and do. I walked part of the Camino de Santiago. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's honestly, it's life-changing experience. I just did two weeks. Um, it was most I could afford to give myself off of work and take it away from the company. And uh, I did two weeks. And there's something genuinely beautiful and reaffirming about humanity when you're walking a path and you come across a stranger also walking the same path. You are uh, pilgrims you for whatever reason whether it's religious or spiritual or you just wanted an adventure you know you have a com you're literally on common ground you are walking on the same path and you chat you say hello you try different languages and there's something really beautiful about walking with a stranger for half an hour an hour even half a day and you're not really looking each other in the eye because you're walking side by side and what you're able to share and what they are able to share is amazing. I had some of the most in-depth conversations I've had in my life with people from all around the world and it was so nice to get different perspectives and hear other people's stories and so for me I, I personally don't find it hard to <laughs> overshare as it were um, and I think the more you are honest and open the more you invite others to be honest and open and, and that's an incredibly powerful thing and this is one of the biggest things that I felt about mental health it's why I started talking very openly about my mental health when I was in my early 20s because I had so many big things that happened and you know growing up in the 90s and early noughties mental health was still this thing that you were meant to swallow you were meant to not talk about it so when you start saying you know actually right now I'm depressed it allows other people to be vulnerable and we need a lot more of that let's talk about that a little bit more if that's okay yeah, i'd sure. love you just to lead from wherever you see fit with a start point with what you experienced and yeah over to you really if it's okay to share a little bit about that yeah so when i was 13 14 undiagnosed really but i i had depression i had severe depression at one point i was suicidal and i never did anything really to harm myself i wrote in a I wrote in a diary that I thought was private that I wanted to kill myself. That got discovered by my mother, um, who got very angry. Her response to me writing that down in a private diary was that she got angry. And so all of the feelings that I had, I had to squish. I had to hide them away again. And I just had to find a way to cope. And this was a recurring thing um, all through the rest of my teenage years all the way into university and it was at university that I actually finally went and saw a doctor and spoke to them about it and the response that I got from them was oh, okay well we can put you on the list for CBT or um here's some drugs and I took the drugs and the drugs I probably should have taken them for longer but they made me feel really woolly and 
not there and and so started this cycle that I'm still in but I have a much greater understanding of my cycle of I overcommit I drown my feelings through food through alcohol when it was in my 20s it could be through sex um you know anything that basically squashed the voice and made it go away and the voice is still trying to be heard and I give it more space now through therapy um but it just kept coming back around and and ultimately the voice the depressive voice which people with depression will understand is I'm worthless I I mean nothing why should I be here? Why do people, no one cares about me. You know, it's this horrible voice. Um, and that's not true. And a lot of people care about you and a lot of people love you. And it's really hard to fight against it. You, you wanna disappear from the world in whatever way that means. So for me, disappearing from the world was, uh, you know, I wanted to hide in bed. I wanted to, um, do something really dramatic that would end it all or make a scene and I never ever did any of those things they're just fantasies that live in my head but you have to understand the fantasies to understand their bullshit um so yeah so I, I it's been a repetitive cycle and alongside the depression comes anxiety and with the nature of the work that I have the nature of a lot of people that I know um particularly in the tech world and the agency world on the marketing side burnout's so common and burnout can trigger depression and the two are connected. So I'm on a cycle of this happens regularly. Each time it happens, I understand it more. It's calmed down. I haven't been depressed, depressed for a few years now, which is nice. It's good. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's a cycle. And it, you know, depression comes back around. It's not always just a, a one-off. Um, and you have to talk to people. If in your current business how have you managed to still be so successful with it and have a lot of impact you know you're doing amazing work and ultimately yeah manage the depression the anxiety the, the burnout for anyone in a similar position whether it's their own business or or whether they um are you know working for someone else what advice would you give them so with a few of my clients in the past i've been honest and i've just said look still working team is on things now I have more of a team at one point it was just me again I said I'm still working but I'm having a down week right um and depending on what's going on you know when you talk to someone as your human self you know not the not the agency boss not the employee not that anything just me Kathy talking to whoever I'm just being really honest about what's going on right now and you you kind of have to force yourself to continue and by forcing yourself to continue that can sometimes help to pull you out of the depression I can't just stop work for weeks on end and see what happens um what I would say is my business I think would actually be double if not triple the size it is right now if I didn't have depression really? as regularly as I do yeah because when I get it I um I don't think that I can deliver what someone wants me to deliver so a new business opportunity I will have a freak out and I'll go no I can't do what they're asking me for and um and then it's a missed opportunity and it's someone else's so and again I don't have a co-founder to lean on now I have a team there's more options but there's a couple of moments where my imposter syndrome or the depression 
wins. Um, but then when you feel better, you fight back. I appreciate you sharing that because I think from the outside looking in, it's very easy to look at other people's lives, whether that's personal, professional, the business, and obviously just assume that they're always on it. They're always killing it. They're, you know, they're always succeeding. But no. to actually hear that someone from the outside looking in is doing an amazing job with their business still sometimes has that imposter syndrome and loses work as a result of it is probably going to be really refreshing for people to hear. Well, it's a classic, isn't it? You only see the tip of the iceberg or, you know, you see a duck gliding along water and what their feet doing they're just like frantically paddling it's the same when you look at someone's business right what people see of my business is stuff that's on linkedin um a bit of word of mouth possibly that goes on or occasionally they might see me on stage at a conference that's enough to make it look like i've got my shit together what they've not seen is the panic attack the morning before i'm going on stage <laughs> or the 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 three new business opportunities that I've had to decline because I just can't right now. I, no one makes that stuff public. It happens. What would you say are, if you've got any plans in place, like moving forwards to help with that, either at a personal level for your own um, mental well-being or at a company level, are you planning on hiring some more people to help with the, with the workload at a more senior level? Or yeah, what are your what are your plans moving forwards? So I definitely want to keep growing the team. Uh, so more senior hires, more junior hires over the next year or so, we will see. And from my side, I just have to get better at managing my time. Um, so th there's always going to be a week where I've got to work till 10 o'clock at night and just get stuff done. Um, but as long as that's not every single night. <laughs> um, the other thing for me, right, I'm, I'm married. I have a lovely, lovely husband. And we've talked about this a lot that it can becomes a thing, right? But it's, it's also the additional work that you do on top of the other actual work. And, you know, it's, it's one thing that's being talked about a lot on Instagram, or at least on my Instagrams, my algorithms making it work, is the mental load. Yeah. Because my brain's not just thinking about my company or my employees. It's thinking about all of the other stuff that goes on in my life to a level and a degree that my husband never does. And we've had a lot of conversations recently about how we can make sure that I'm not overwhelmed with all of the other expectations that sit on my shoulders, which are bullshit, just a FYI on the expectation front, um, and manage what's going on with the company. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a communication thing regardless of whether it's talking to a husband, talking to a partner, talking to someone you work really closely with at work, if you don't communicate about what's going on and where you need help, then you're gonna run into burnout territory. For anyone listening who is the partner of someone like yourself that is running a successful business or is just in a high pressure job, but is battling the anxiety, the depression, the burnout, and it sounds like your husband obviously is an amazing guy and he's doing an amazing job. So what would you say are any bits of advice or tips for, for that person to be a more supportive and understanding partner? Never ask, what can I do? Just do things. Like, never ask, what can I do? The, the most taxing thing about the mental load is when you want to share it, it's the other person goes, great, what should I do? Or, or you know... Um, I'm a simple one, right, within my relationship, but I'm normally the cook. I love cooking, and sometimes I don't have time. Sometimes I need my husband to do it, and he'll go, great, 
what should I cook? <laughs> or how do I do that? And he's got much better because we've had this conversation so many times. So we've come up with a system now. So um, on a Saturday, we'll sit down, we'll have a coffee and we'll plan what we're eating for the next week. And then that goes on the fridge. So if I'm busy, he's now in a position where he doesn't even need to say, shall I do lunch? He can just go do lunch, right? So, so it's, 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 a, it's a case particularly with people that are overwhelmed. Don't ask them questions, just do things. Yeah, like it, it doesn't take much to look around a house or a flat or a room and see stuff that if you just did it would actually make that person's life easier and you just removed something that they were thinking about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Because I guess if you're already overwhelmed, you don't want another question to think about answering. No, because so. I'm, I'm also, this, this person, I know others that are as well. When I'm asked, how do I do X? My usual response when I'm overwhelmed is, oh, I'll just do it. Because it almost feels easier to mm. do it than it is to explain what to do. Um. So yeah, just just do it and what will be will be. Yeah, great advice. Yeah. If you could go back and talk to yourself at two points of time, I'm interested to, to hear your answers to this. When you were yeah going through your teenage years and you were still thinking that you were going to pursue film, and then also when you first started your company, what would you go back in time and tell yourself? Any tips or any lessons that you think that that version of me could have really done with hearing or learning based on what you know now? Mm. Film me... I and this is something I would say to now me as well, but I think it's um, you know try not to lose your creativity. So I do a lot of work. The idea of carving out a little bit of extra time to just play, like literally play, be creative, do something, is really hard, and it's hard to separate your brain and the guilt of um, stepping away from the company sometimes to do something that's just joyful and playful. And I need to do that more. And I know a lot of other people need to do that more. So I think I would say, you know, play, be creative, be joyful. Things will come back back around. And I think for me starting my company, oh, charge more money. <laughs> great answer. <laughs> charge more money. Yeah, I still need to do that too. Um yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, be more confident in what you're asking for. Great advice. Yeah. Great advice. We've got about five minutes left. So what I'd absolutely love to uh, do is just for you to tell everyone listening or watching to where they can find out a little bit more about your agency, the work that you do and yeah. what your future plans are with it. So if anyone is looking to work with yourself, they know a little bit more and where they can inquire. Yeah, sure. So the website is cewcoms.com. Uh, you can tell by the name that I was really original with it. What What is your middle name, by the way? I is bet, that, is I that bet, the E? Yeah, you, I bet you can guess. Oh, it's going to be embarrassing if I get it wrong, though, isn't it? No, go and give it a try. Is it Elizabeth? It is Elizabeth, God. yes. See, it's it's regal, right? Um, yes, full name, Catherine Elizabeth White. Yeah. Yeah. C-E-W, not Q. Not Q. 50% no. of the time we get Q. I think at some point I just need to embrace it and rebrand. Just, I mean, f but 50% get it right. That's true. So, yeah. Anyway, so it's my initials. Um, CEWcoms.com. 
Uh, you can have a look on the website there. It's got more information about the sorts of work that we do, the clients that we've got. Broadly speaking, we do a typical press office function. So for early stage startups from pre-seed all the way up to Series C and for VCs, accelerators, etc., we run all of your press. So you want a press release? Boom. Got it. We'll come up with something that's going to get you in the media. We know all of the tech, the business press really well. We also do social media. We do events. We do awards entries. We do podcasts. Lots and lots of different stuff. Um, so you can reach us through that. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm very amenable to new connections. Uh, just I don't know, mention that you heard me on the podcast or yeah, something, cool. and then I'll know it was through this. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, again, I know I said it earlier, but I can really testify to that. It's been really, really nice to connect with you. You've been, yeah, so, so great to get to know you. And I really appreciate you coming on today. I feel like I've been doing what I do for 10 years now in a way. Um, well, not in a way. I have been doing it for 10 years, personal training nutritionist. But we only really started this company and raising money for the app a year ago. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like I'm in a similar position. I was, well, I was 26, but very similar position to you and you know the, the age that you were at when you started your company so to be able to listen to you and um, hear your lessons and your reflections over building your company over the past like seven eight years selfishly was also amazing for me as well as i know it's going to be really valuable for so many other people so again thank you so much for being here i know you don't always like necessarily like doing these types of things and i know you're so busy when you're in london so i just can't explain how grateful i am to have the opportunity to have asked you those questions and hear your story Thank you. Well, if, if, if it helps, this is the stuff I really love doing. <laughs> so, I, I just love podcasts in general and talking. So I work in comms. You've yeah. got to have gift of the gab and all that. Yeah. yeah. And you're good at it. Yeah. Thank Despite you. Despite what the imposter syndrome <laughs> Kathy sometimes pops up and says. Yeah. She's annoying. I need yeah. to name her. Apparently yeah. that's a good tip. Just as a side note, if you have imposter syndrome, name your imposter mm. syndrome. Give them a, a weird weird yeah. voice should we name mine what should i call my imposter syndrome oh i love it we've got an exclusive on the women's wellness show kathy names her imposter syndrome i feel like it's got to have that like, really you should call it q q <laughs> oh q's here again yeah yeah all right cool put, put q in the box q q in the box <laughs> perfect all right amazing thank you so much <laughs> kathy. that was great <laughs>